In Chapter 9 of Screenwriter Survival Guide, I sat down with screenwriter Beecher Renning to talk about giving your screenplays the festival treatment. In this eye-opening conversation, we discuss how to successfully promote your screenplays to get into festivals, the best way to harness selection at a festival to jumpstart your career, and in a special bonus topic, how to make a Hollywood career for yourself without going to Hollywood. Let's face it, Hollywood is a lot, but for many of us, it's the only life we can imagine. I'm Sam Brooks, and my goal with this podcast is to take not-yet screenwriters from their first homesick night in Los Angeles all the way to the red carpet. Welcome to Screenwriter Survival Guide. Today on Screenwriter Survival Guide, we've got a very special double feature topic. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of film festivals and screenplay competitions, but my guest today also has a very different story than most of us. They chose not to move to L.A., but rather to remain in Tennessee and launch their screenwriting career from there. And since the first chapter of this show is titled Why All Screenwriters Should Move to L.A., I couldn't pass up the opportunity to broaden my perspective on this topic as well. Because despite living thousands of miles from the nearest in and out today's guest has made a thriving career for themselves, with their screenplays and films being selected in more than 30 festivals, including Nashville, Austin, and Final Draft's Big Break competition. They've also directed a pilot, made several award-winning short films, and still somehow found the time to maintain a full-time job teaching cinema. So they're very, so they're clearly very busy, and I don't want to take up any more of their time with this intro. Welcome to the show, Beecher Renning. Thanks, Sam. It's fun. It's fun to be here. <laughs> well, awesome. I think this is going to be a great topic, a, a great conversation. Um, and I always like to start in the same place, which is, how did you discover screenwriting? When was it you knew that you wanted to be part of this industry? Yeah, no, great question. So, uh, I mean, growing up, I wanted to be an author. I was like, I like as a kid, people say like, what do you want to be? And some people might say astronaut or whatever. I'd be like, no, I want to be an author because I just loved uh, creative writing, storytelling. And and I come from a family that tells a lot of stories. And so I remember mm-hmm. writing down outlines for stories. And, and I remember one day in middle school, I sat down to write my first novel and I, and I wrote, I felt like I wrote for days. And at the end I had like one page front and back. And I was like, oh man, this is, this is tough. And then somewhere along the way I found my parents camcorder and I was like, oh, I could start like making films as opposed to sitting and just writing only writing. And so I kind of uh, really, before I wrote a screenplay, I just started making stuff and taking, mm-hmm. taking my, my parents camcorder and editing stuff together. And then out of that, went to undergrad in digital media and mm-hmm. you know somewhere along the way it was like hey i think i i think i want to try doing this film thing so my first real screenplay that i wrote because i'd written many stories and outlines and done a lot of ridiculous videos in high school but my first real screenplay you know i i, I think i wrote my sophomore year in college because i knew i like mm-hmm. being creative i knew i liked the visual medium of putting um, images together and, and, and making telling stories. And then it was like, okay, I think I need to get better at screenwriting. So I actually declared a writing minor um, mm-hmm. in undergrad. And then my freshman or sophomore year of college just really started writing. And I wrote 
a, a number of screenplays before I actually made really the first one my junior hmm. year. But that's that's when I that's that was the season of my life where I was working at a coffee shop in the summer, and I took Story by Robert McKee, which is a book that you may or may not have talked about. But if you're a hmm. aspiring screenwriter, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I remember being at this coffee shop that had no no customers because it was like new and just opened, and I just would go in there with my screenwriting books and I'd read like all hmm. summer. And that was kind of the season of my life where it was new, it was exciting. And I was like, I think I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Story is an amazing book. Um, I have not, I don't think I've brought it up on the podcast yet, but um, I'm glad you have because it's a great book. <laughs> it, especially, um, especially just getting into it. I feel like now mm-hmm. I would look at it and go, okay, this is a little too uh, black and white paint by numbers yeah. for me. But, but yeah. initially when you're first going at it, you're like, how do I write a story? How do I structure this? Like, I don't have any right. idea besides like, this sounds fun. It really helped me kind of wrap my mind around, okay, yeah. there's categories for this and there's, there's techniques and there's things you can, you can yeah. do. And I, my, the book, it's funny. I've got it in my office and occasionally a student will come by and they'll be like, can I borrow it? I'm like, I mean, yeah. you can borrow it, but you're going to get a lot of notes from 19 year old because <laughs> I wrote all over that book. Yeah, that's great. I think, I think most of the screenwriting books, they, you have to take them with a grain of salt. Um, like I love the, the save the cat and I've recently read save the cat rights for TV as well. That's the one I just wrote recently wrote. Cause I've been doing a lot more um, TV work. Um, and I think both of them are, if you, if you follow them to a T, you're not going to produce very good content because it, you're losing the the spark of creativity. But I think the, to, to know everything that's, that's written inside of all these books and story is great. That taught me theme, I think was the most important mm-hmm. thing I learned from yeah. story. Um, and just to take, just to take all those and have them in the back of your head and be like working from them when they serve you, uh, is super important, but yeah, I agree. It's not, they're not super person you can't just like write all your scripts just from a save the cat point of view because they're not going to be good right and Um, and i think robert mckee i don't know if he even has a a screenplay that's ever been produced and if it does it it wasn't good so yeah it's 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 fascinating and i what i tell i mean i have students because i do teach on faculty teach cinema and and i have students come by and ask me for screenwriting advice or, or or books to read and i'm like so much of this is just figuring out how your mind works and right uh create whatever works for you that you can translate mm-hmm. that creativity onto the page and it works and it's smooth then go mm-hmm. for it like that and so so much of those books in my opinion is just you're just like casting a line into the water and if mm-hmm. one of these books works and like it clicks with you and you're like this is what this is how how i this is how i want to write then go yeah. for it it's kind of like with mindfulness i find that like when i like i have a very anxious mind and whenever i'm trying to deal with my anxiety um, I've tried so many different things and, and gone through different therapists and different methods and read a bunch of different books on it and tried to find different ways. And I find that most of the th- 80% of the things that I hear and read about of ways to cope with my meditating does not work for me. Like there's many things that don't work and it's, you just have to go through them again and again and again until you find one that does work for you. And I think it's the same thing with finding your style of writing. Just read through these books and take what works. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Um, so was there any one film or show that inspired you growing up that that was like, this is the one that's going to make me want to join uh, this industry, come into this industry? So, yeah, so there's two uh, there's two films that come to mind. The first was uh, I was in middle school. Shawshank Redemption came on TBS. Mm. I had no idea what it was like. I was like, no idea. I just started watching it. 
and it is still my favorite movie to this day. I literally have a giant Shawshank Redemption poster in my office. That is the first movie I really remember going, oh my gosh, like I am looking at the world differently now. Like I am so inspired. I want to like just seize the day. And, and, and I remember thinking like, this is what cinema can do. And that was my first time that I really was like, you know, I think my favorite movie in that day went from Shrek, which is, of course, fun. <laughs> and, you know, it's right. a good movie, but it went from Shrek because it was funny to like, oh, wow, no, the Shawshank Redemption, that's this can like affect uh-huh. people on a deep level. And so that right. was probably the first one that really kind of got mm-hmm. me thinking, like, maybe I want to go into this as opposed to being an author. And then uh, and then in college, as I started to get my get into filmmaking and, and actually really studying it i really fell in love with mark webb's music videos and if hmm. uh, mark webb did regina specter music videos and uh, a number of just really good narrative story music videos and he was coming out with his first feature film my at the end of my freshman year of college and it was 500 hmm. days of summer and hmm. i remember going to the theater driving like because it wasn't in local theater driving a, uh, an hour or so to go watch <laughs> it and loving it like loving it and listening to the soundtrack nonstop. and i and i i could i know that movie like the back of my hand and the, the things they mm-hmm. do and, and now that i've i've been married for eight years now so thematically it hits me a lot different than i did at, right. the, at a you know 19 year old watching it but it was still one of those seminal films where i really started studying the craft of filmmaking for mm-hmm. fun and and as soon as i started doing that and really having fun with it i was like okay if i can do this for, have fun doing this on my own mm-hmm. just late at night then is there a way that i can make a career out of this and actually get paid to do something that mm-hmm. i love that's great yeah great uh you know i i oh so so much shame to say this on a in a public forum i've not seen 500 days of summer but yes Shawshank redemption amazing yeah <laughs> yeah they're both very uh, different movies but yes they're they, they both they both played a big impact in my journey yeah very great um all right so most people myself included leave home after school and come out to la get a job as an assistant or pa somewhere and then start scrambling to get noticed by a studio or an agent you chose a different path you chose to stay in tennessee and pursue film there now what what made you make that choice what were your considerations there it was it was tough. I mean, I went to so I graduated from undergrad, moved to Virginia Beach and got my master's of fine arts in cinema television directing. And mm-hmm. I've got I've got thoughts on grad school. I think if you very, very short, if you can get it paid for, I think it's a great opportunity to go use mm-hmm. equipment. Um, I was there on a full scholarship. So I took that opportunity gotcha. as opposed to moving to, to L.A. or Atlanta. I was like, I get equipment. I get to learn from uh, this craft even more. Um, and so I took that opportunity, went to to. Uh, Virginia Beach and, and went to school out there and mm-hmm. um, I was out there for for four years met my wife out there we were, as I was approaching graduation I'm like okay like do we make the jump move to LA I had a lot of friends in grad school that made the jump and moved to LA I had other friends that went to Atlanta I have other friends that went to New York mm-hmm. um, and one of the 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 biggest things for me is that I, I kind of had to figure out why do I want to create films and why do I want to write mm-hmm. And it wasn't the industry necessarily that, mm-hmm. that, that drew me to it. It wasn't about the industry for me. It was, I, I just like to create. And I realized that I, was, I had graduated uh, with my graduate degree. I did not have a feature script that I really liked or really felt like could get noticed. And I felt like, well, gosh, I could move to LA right now and have all the connections in the world but I don't have anything that I feel confident enough to make. That would be something mm-hmm. that I'm really proud of. And then I think um could could really do well and so 
my wife and I, because I got married when I was out there, um, we found out we were pregnant with our first daughter. And I was like, I need time. I need stability with with having a kid. And we have two daughters mm-hmm. now. And we're now done having kids. But we have two daughters now. <laughs> um, and I was like, I need stability um, and a paycheck. But also, and this is a huge part of my decision, I, I needed time to be able to write and become a better writer. So when I moved to Tennessee, I moved back to Tennessee from Virginia in 2000 mm-hmm. in 2015. 16. And at that point I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to write five feature screenplays that I'm really proud of over the course of the next five years. And so mm-hmm. that's while having kids, that's while teaching full time, but I carved out eight hours a week into my schedule. That is my writing time. Like this is my okay. writing time. I make it work. And, and I will say work teaching on faculty. You have a flexible schedule. Your, mm-hmm. your, your bosses actually encourage you to pursue professional development which for me is, is making films more for right. me, it's writing. And so I would literally tell my boss like, Oh no, like I'm going to be writing during that time. And so it's not something that they roll their eyes and, and like, why are you doing that? They want you to be, be learning. And so faculty yeah. being on faculty works well for that. So mm. I spent the last five years in, and I was six months late. I turned 30. That was when I was wanting to go during the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> and, and right around Christmas of the pandemic, uh, about six months later is when I got my fifth feature screenplay that I was like, I could hand this to somebody and gotcha. not have to give clauses of, oh, it's a first draft or it's just an idea right. or it's an outline. Like it's there. Like I've got ones that I think gotcha. are a lot better than others, but congrats, I, congrats I, on that. It's still pretty you. recent. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. That was, yes. So um, for me, it was the opportunity for the stability aspect of the family, but also that I would have a job where, I would actually have time to write and become a better writer. And I took that really seriously. And it was, it was, it's actually a little easier now to talk about it. Cause you know, I've got screenplays that are doing some things and getting out right. there, but it was hard for the first couple of years. Cause I have so many friends went to LA or Atlanta and they kept calling me being like, Oh yeah, I'm working with this producer. I'm working with this showrunner. Uh-huh. I'm working with this. I'm working with this. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm writing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you writing? I'm like, it's still not very good. Yeah. But I'm writing a lot. And so yeah. you know, it was, it was tough to stay on that path, but I just kept believing. I was like, no, like that just the way I thought about it. I'm like, if I write eight hours a week for five years, I'm going to become a better writer. Like it mm. has to happen. I can't like right. just the, how anything goes. And so mm-hmm. I stuck to it. And now I'm finally to the point where some several things are, are hitting on some f- bigger festivals mm-hmm. and I'm now shopping around one of the scripts and trying to make it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So do you, that's so clearly my thesis that it is, it, it, well, if not impossible, exceedingly unlikely to have a successful career if you don't move to LA is <laughs> at least somewhat incorrect because you're the living proof right here. Um, uh, so what advice do you have for any like not yet screenwriters who want to pursue a career in this industry, but have decided after listening to this or have been making this decision uh, over a longer period of time that they don't want to move out to LA? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good question. And I think for some people, LA makes absolute sense. Like, okay. Um, you're the type that wants to be saturated with it, like career first oriented and, and you want to be shoulder to shoulder with the people that are the decision makers, then yeah, that's the place that's not going to happen in Tennessee where I live. Um, Mm. for me, my advice to anyone that wants to be a screenwriter is regardless of where you go, whether that's your parents' basement, whether that's uh, working on faculty, whether that's LA, you have to have time to write. You have to find time to write. Mm-hmm. 
Cause I do, I have friends that, that are in LA and they work 60 plus hours a week and they're sitting in traffic uh, to and from their jobs. And they work for like uh, their assistant to showrunners and, and directors right. and they have great jobs. I mean, the movie posters they have and the signatures they have, I'm like so jealous. I've got my Shawshank yeah. Redemption poster <laughs> up and I love it, but it doesn't have any, I didn't work on it. Right. Um, but I do talk to them and, and they oftentimes have a really hard time writing where mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here and I took a job that looks like I'm not pursuing it as much, but I am consistently in my schedule. It's not every once in a while. It's not added on here or there. I'm consistently finding time to write mm -hmm. regularly. And I told my wife that too, moving here. I was like, April, there's uh, her name. I said, April, yeah. um, any six month period where I look back and I've not been writing, then like, this is all for not. Like, like this, yeah. this plan is out the window. The only reason this works is if I have consistent time to write and become a better writer. Mm -hmm. And so my advice would be to anybody is if moving to LA motivates you and, 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 and you think you will write more being in that saturated market, mm -hmm. even if you're working 50, 60 hours a week, then go for it. If you think you'll mm -hmm. write more being on faculty and, um, and you know, with a little, but I have, you know, my, my rent is much lower out here. So there's, I don't, right. I don't have to spend as much time, um, doing that and so for me it really is i i view screenplays as currency and and almost like a poker game and you're mm -hmm. each screenplay you write is a new hand of cards and you've got to figure out like when you go all in and i didn't want to go all in i had friends that went all in and made independent features right. that they're proud of and i'm like that's good and I, I respect it but i would not want this to be my first film and they didn't make money right. and and i'm like I just, I have been trying to figure out when to go all in. And now that I've got a screenplay that's a finalist at, at Nashville in a couple of weeks, um, I'm like, this, this feels like the one it's the, my, it's actually the third feature screenplay that I wrote. So I've written two since then, but this is the one that I really like the most and, gotcha. and I'm really trying to push forward to make. Gotcha. Um, so that's great. So during that time, it's it can you speak to kind of the moments when it didn't feel like a good plan the moments when you were having doubts <laughs> when you were seeing people with mm -hmm. the movie posters and working on other people can you speak to how you get through that and say no this is the right path for me uh, i'm absolutely. making the right path here how do you how do you keep that in your mind yeah absolutely so uh there were definitely tough times i had a friend that uh, went out to LA, he made a feature film, he came back and showed it at the IMAX here. And I took and we, he, he and I were very much peers. And I took mm -hmm. a bunch of my students down there. And we watched this film on IMAX. And, you know, he was he had a red carpet, and he, he was making it. And, and I went back to that coffee shop the next week and read through a draft that I was working on. I'm like, this is complete crap. And I basically told my mm -hmm. wife, I'm like, I, I pretty much have to start over because, you know, I chose a story that doesn't have uh any second act whatsoever and i know ah. and you know and, I, and i'm now starting over <laughs> and i'm like i've been doing this for two years now and i've got nothing to show for it none of my screenplays have, have done, placed any of the competitions i'm going to i've got friends there in la they're making the film they're making feature films and on red carpets and and it was really tough and i had several um moments like that where uh i questioned it and i don't I, you know it was just this belief and I, and I've hit on it, but just this belief of like, no, like if I can write, if I can write consistently, I will get better. Even if I'm writing this draft and I've spent a month on a script that I'm, I'm trashing right now and restarting, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to interrupt right. the feature 
with without a second act again like i, I understand mm-hmm. what and and i had to think too of the film that my friend had made and um it was it was good but it wasn't it wasn't the one that i it's not a film that i would want to be my first one and so i just right. was like, okay i'm gonna keep holding on and you know and i'm still very much I'm just now at the point where I'm shopping screenplay. So it is, it is mm-hmm. the jury's still out on whether this right. will work or not, but I do feel confident as a writer. And I do feel like right. if I, if I run into um, someone within the industry, I've got five screenplays that I can pitch them pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. feel like that's, uh, that's where I wanted to be. And so we'll see if the next part of my plan works, which I have no idea if it will or not. Gotcha. Second act problems, man. Gotta... <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that I think that that to me seems like the only thing any of us, whether regardless of what city you're living in, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's I'm, like my secret hope that's not so secret because I'm sharing it on a podcast is that uh, I don't want to have to live in L.A. because I don't hate L.A., but it's not my favorite city in the world. Um, and I would rather be able to go live somewhere else, live in another country, live in another uh live in another part of the country, move around as much as I want, go someplace where, you know, like you said, the rent is cheaper. Um, there's a lot of things I would, places I'd rather like to be. And one thing I will say is that I can see glimmers of it starting to change. I can see glimmers of, you know, I was talking to a writer friend of mine who was saying, who was on, who's staffed on a big Netflix show right now. And he was saying that, almost all of the writers in that room want to stay in, on Zoom. No one wants to go back to the office. And that this idea that I, even like myself, like developing a pilot, I've noticed that like there, I'm not having in-person meetings, even as the pandemic wanes and kind of we start to go back into, we can go out and see people and go out uh, for social uh, reasons. I'm starting to see that the work meetings aren't coming back in the same way. Also my day job, I work at a production company as like an assistant there. So I see a lot of like when the meetings are picking up or going down and we are busy right now, but there's no one in the office. So I do think that your plan has potential and I'm hoping I've got my fingers crossed <laughs> that I'll be able to make the jump out of LA at some point um, because I am starting to see glimmers of like, okay, maybe because of zoom and because of uh, the interconnectedness of the internet that we won't always have to live in LA to to actively work on and develop projects. Um, That's, that's really, that's really fascinating. And also I personally, and this is just as a viewer, Mm -hmm. I am so ready for TV and movies to stop being set in LA with (laughs) LA life, because as a writer, I write what I know, like all five of my scripts take place in the South of Southeast of, of not Tennessee, but Southeast uh, of the United States. And I love that idea because I do feel like, we'll start to get, I think, I mean, if you're living somewhere besides LA, you'll get some experiences that are not LA, just like I, me not yeah. living in LA. I don't get those experiences. And I think that only will, will help diversify content, hopefully yeah. on TV. And one, one story that really helped me, cause I was thinking back to your question. One story that really helped mm-hmm. me um, when I was just like, Oh my gosh, am I made a mistake moving to Tennessee, moving back to Tennessee and, and doing mm-hmm. this. Uh, I, I watched the first season of true detective. 
And I'm not going to talk about the second season or third season because <laughs> they just they were not they were not my cup of tea. But the first the first season, I remember loving it and being like, mm-hmm. "Who is this? One guy wrote all these all this whole season. <laughs> One guy wrote it. I'm like, what in the world?" And so I looked up Nick Pizzolatto's story, and he wasn't in LA. He was a bartender mm-hmm. for like 20 years, and he would just read and write. He wrote, he read, and he and he read philosophy books, and he'd write stories and write screenplays, and he got a book option. And they were like, well, do you got anything else? He's like, yeah, I mean, I got this thing. And they're like, what is it? Is it a movie? He's like, no, not really. And they're like, well, it's a TV show? And he's like, I mean, I don't know. It's like 800 pages. And they're like, well, can we read it? And they did. And next thing you know, they got in a huge bidding war, Matthew McConaughey and everybody. And and I don't, to this day, I'm not sure he actually moved to LA. He, I think he still lives wow. outside of the city. And, and what, I mean, the story for me was he was a bartender for 20 years and his wife was mm-hmm. eventually like hey you need to actually publish something and make us some money and he's like oh okay, fine <laughs> and then next thing you know he's he's got his own hbo show that i thought was phenomenal and yeah. brought a different perspective set in louisiana and and yeah uh, yeah so anyways, I, that that story helped me a lot and i i occasionally uh, over the past six years of living back in tennessee i will pull up that story and read it as a reminder yeah. of like hey if i have good writing if I mean, I think it was yeah. Steve Martin said that his advice for making it, of course, he's thinking as an actor and and, and comedian mm-hmm. is just be right. too good to be ignored. Like be so good right. they can't ignore you. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's my my very loose overall plan is if I can just mm-hmm. keep writing and keep creating, get to a point that I'm doing something that can't be ignored, then that's right. breaking in. And so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I think now I do think. I want to caveat my my original point for uh, the guests for the for the audience. Um, uh, my original point from episode from chapter one of this uh, series that I do think if you now the way I look at it is I want to do everything in my power to put myself in the best position to have a successful career here. And to me, uh, like the average person, it's clear you've developed a uh very successful seem it seems to be successful you know knock on wood seems to be successful and knock on wood for all of us man but uh of getting um of getting your stuff seen outside of la um for me the the kind of reasoning was look the the most stories of people making it involve people moving to la first Mm -hmm. so that to me and i i completely understand want needing that the there is definitely an argument you made that that you have a happier life outside of LA than I do inside of LA but I so I just want I don't even know where I'm going with this I'm not trying to uh negate the point you're making I just want to say that um if you are looking at it just as a pure logical point of view what are all of the um chess pieces I can put to give myself a best, the best chance of, of succeeding in this industry. I do think moving to LA is one you should at least consider putting absolutely. on the board. Yeah, but, absolutely. And and I will mm-hmm. say I, I, so in grad school, my thesis film won a student Emmy. And so they literally flew me out for the college television award. And I got to talk to the mm-hmm. showrunner of the path, which was a cool show that involved Aaron Paul. It was the first season and other shows on free form and I talked to staffs of writers and it was this very kind of exclusive, like all expense paid trip around LA. And I had conversations with a lot of writers and on, on writing staffs. So I was like, Hey, how'd you get, how'd you get an agent? And they're like, well, actually I had written a pilot and I tried to get it picked up and no one picked it up. And mm-hmm. then I moved to LA and I was at a friend's birth. I was at my, at a friend's birthday party. 
-hmm. and I ran into somebody and we just struck a conversation. We started talking. They asked what I did. I told them I was a writer. They go, Oh my gosh, I'm an agent. (laughs) And then (laughs) let me, let me see your pilot. And that's how I got my agent. And so like, that's going to happen in LA. That will never happen in Tennessee. If I live in Tennessee (laughs) the next 50 years, I'm never going to run into an agent at a party that wants to read my script. So it's, it's absolutely, I absolutely understand and, and and totally understood why my friends, many of my friends moved to LA Mm -hmm. and they have successful careers and they're doing really great stuff. I think a difference for me too, is though, I just, you know, for me, it's not about being successful in the industry. Mm -hmm. It is getting to write and create things that I'm proud of. And if I can do that, then I'm happy. Um, And so I think for me, it was weighing, weighing that out and i i may move mm-hmm. to la at some point like i'm not we haven't right. taken it off the table but until now it just wasn't wasn't uh yeah. in the cards for us yeah absolutely man i mean that sounds like that was the absolute right choice um all right let's transition to the main topic of this episode which is festivals so most writers start off pretty broke in the beginning and festival festival submissions can add up. So how do you recommend a screenwriter plan their festival push for their film or screenplay? Yeah, no, that's that's a great, great question. Um, I think for me, writing, as I did for six years, Mm -hmm. I had to submit to some festivals just as a way of motivating me to keep writing. Like, okay, someone's reading this, you know, like someone Mm -hmm. somewhere, even though they're getting paid and I'm technically paying them because I'm paying, you know, $50 (laughs) to spend Austin, somebody somewhere is reading this and they'll, they at least can tell that I've worked hard on it. Um, Mm -hmm. And even getting the no's in those first several years, which I got several of them, um, Mm -hmm. it was still provided motivation for me. Whereas if I didn't submit to those, then, um, you know, I wouldn't. And so I think I wouldn't have had that motivation. So I think, um, I recommend figuring out what motivates you to keep writing and to keep creating. Um, But for me, a lot of things were, uh, I I knew film festivals because I had gotten short films into several film festivals. And so I'd been able to Mm -hmm. kind of go to some festivals in the Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia area and um, get to see ones that I liked. And so I had some personal connections at some festivals I started submitting to. And so one thing I recommend people to do is, yeah, Nichols is great. Sundance Development Labs great. And Austin Film Festival, wonderful. Like I still, mm-hmm. I still submit to those, but I also submit to the local stuff. I submit to okay. Nashville. For for me, it's Nashville because that's two hours from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll, I've submitted to Nashville. I submitted to a small film festival in Kentucky that a screenplay won, and I really needed that motivation at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. It was a very small competition, and I had a free mm-hmm. waiver because I'd gotten my short film in a few years before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, so I'd say, uh, you know, shoot, a, shoot for a Hail Mary every once in a while with the bigger mm-hmm. ones. But if you can find some local ones where you can go, you can make connections and whatever helps a screen, a person that wants to be a screenwriter or a writer, mm-hmm. um, just to keep writing, you know, just yeah. give yourself enough to keep writing. And so I've submitted my, my latest one to three film, three competitions. It was Nashville, mm-hmm. Austin and Sundance and um it's a finalist in nashville and this is the third time i've submitted a screenplay in nashville i've never even made the quarterfinals before and this year i'm a finalist um wow. austin film fest thank you austin film festival i made it the second round last year i'm waiting to find out where the script hits this year and then mm. i'm at the second round of the sundance development labs which is a different um right. is a different beast because it's it's mm. looking f- you've got to write a, a bio on yourself uh, where the story mm. came from 
and you actually only submit the first five pages when you initially submit. And then when you make it the second round, they ask for the whole script. And that's more of a looking for writers and voices and, and films that, that they think should, should be out in the world. And then you get to go out there and they get to basically mentor you and help you get the film off the ground. Um, and so, yeah, so I'd say, I'd say, uh, you submit to local festivals that you can make connections and actually attend. Um, Mm. and then do a Hail Mary every once in a while to a bigger one. Mm. Um, and also I would say it's, I think it's really good before you, if you, if you don't have that network of screenwriters that you trust to give you good notes, if it's just friends and family that you're like, okay, this might be a good note. This might not. I have no idea. If you don't have that network of people that are in the industry and that are actually writers, then Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to look and and consider every once in a while submitting to like big break competition because they'll Mm -hmm. actually give you notes like like how Austin Austin Film Festival give you notes. And so if you're in a part of the country where you aren't surrounded by screenwriters that you that you, um, you know, uh, respect, then look for the ones that give you feedback, because even a no, you get to read why and you get to try Mm -hmm. to think through, okay, how can I apply this? Um, and those notes will be, you know, you, you, I, it was one year I submitted to Austin and I got like one note saying you should take it this direction and the other note saying <laughs> other letters saying take it the other direction. So you have to take it with a grain of salt, but it, it was, yeah. it was good to just get some feedback from, from festivals. And, and, and even if I didn't apply it to that screenplay, I applied those, those concepts to the next mm-hmm. one I was working on. That's great. That is awesome. So local seems to be better and then occasionally make the big jumps to to the big ones that you have less of a chance but they're you know the hail marys are still worth it sometimes yeah absolutely absolutely especially if they get feedback especially they feedback because then you're not just getting a rejection you're getting rejection i wonder why oh okay great now i'm going to take that to heart i'm going to think about it i'm going to move forward with the new ideas that i've just read gotcha so, so when you're submitting a finished film to a festival, you obviously have the film itself, which is much easier to digest for most people than a script. Um, even myself, I mean, obviously it's like way easier to watch a short film. If I have to like do coverage on a short film, it's way nicer than doing coverage on a full script. Um, and plus you can add all sorts of flashy trailers, posters, other fanfare. So when writers are submitting their scripts though to festivals, what can they be doing besides just crafting an amazing story, obviously, and really rich characters and, and really making an amazing script? So is there anything else they can do to really promote their, their project for the festival? Yeah, so it, it depends on the festival. I will say with the, like Austin Film Festival, which I attended a few years ago because I, I, um, it was not one that I wrote and directed, but I was first AD on a, on a short film that got into the Austin Film Festival. And so I went out there with the crew and, and heard from amazing writers. And I highly recommend looking at, I think if, you, if there's a screenwriter out there, I mean, Austin Film Festival is great. Uh, they have so many great things for writers. Um, but for Austin, you submit and you're not allowed to have a cover page, a title page. You, you're not allowed to put anything on it that besides like, I mean, they don't want, they want complete uh, anonymity with, with who they're, who they're judging. And so they don't accept anything outside. Whereas like Sundance Development Labs are going to ask you for everything. Like I submitted a pitch deck for the film. Like I submitted, yeah. um, <laughs> I submitted all sorts of stuff. So they right. were looking at the package of me as a filmmaker and also mm. the story. And so 
you know, I would just say if a screen, if a, if a festival allows you to, to submit something else, submit it, you know, if they're like, Oh, mm-hmm. cover letter, cover letter optional, then send the cover letter. Gotcha. But you may find that in the bigger ones, the ones that are really, um, they, the, they want it to not be based on the uh, peripheral stuff. They want a mm-hmm. good screenplay and that's kind of all they'll let you submit. Gotcha. All right. That makes sense. Um, so have you found that any specific genre or type of screenplay, regardless of quality, tends to do better in festivals? Mm, man. Uh, you know, I've got a few friends out here and they will submit to screenplay competitions, but I do not know enough. I don't know enough, uh, people to make it. It's, it's so anecdotal at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I've had a comedy that made it to the semifinals of the big break competition. And then the one that's a finalist at Nashville right now is a drama. So uh-huh. I don't, so Got far it. I've not found any pattern if there is one. <laughs> Makes sense. So what was the first film festival you ever got into and what was that experience like? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, the first one was, was uh, just on, on the campus where I went to undergrad uh-huh. and uh you know, it was like the second annual one and, and had a project up there and just getting to see it and 50 of my friends getting to watch something that I made. It wasn't very good. It was a music video that was like <laughs> shot backwards and all these weird techniques. And we ran over a girl with a car. She's, she, you know, we just made it look like it, but it was so right, right. If one of my students did that now, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like you're going to, you could have killed her. But like, we just, oh, yeah. we we're just doing stuff. But like, even that was just having people see uh, my film in a dark room for mm-hmm. the four minutes that that the runtime was after the hundreds of hours I spent on it was just mm-hmm. this super fulfilling experience. And I called my parents okay. right after. And I was like, I'm gonna be a filmmaker the rest of my life. I know like, this is what I'm made to do. And my and it wasn't the best. And my parents were like, uh, I don't really know. Like really, <laughs> yeah. And so then uh, the second film I made was the one that I actually it's still on my website, so people can go look that up at Beecher.media. But uh, it was called Book Covers, and that one I actually submitted to a graduate school's competition, and it made it to the top seven, and they flew me out to Virginia and ended up winning the competition and getting me a full-ride scholarship. And that was pretty cool, but, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, obviously, like an like a open festival to all. I would say the first film festival that I really got in when I was like, this, this is amazing, was probably it's called the push film festival and it's in Bristol, okay. Virginia. I have a lot of family that lives in Bristol uh-huh. and it was like six hours away from Virginia beach. And so I submitted mm-hmm. it to it and it got in and I traveled over and this small town was so excited to have a film festival. They <laughs> turned the whole town over for us. I mean, I was treated like royalty oh, and I, you know, I just had this short film in and they were so excited to have filmmakers there and we got <laughs> great food and there were cool events and I got to talk with people. I got to learn stuff and so, honestly, uh, the big festivals are great. Austin was great, and 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 I, I went. I didn't have anything in Sundance, but I have been to Sundance before. Those right. are great, and I've got cool stories from that. And they're very wow. Oh my gosh, I got to hear from so and so. But I really think there is some worth to these smaller, smaller mm. film festivals if you can go in person. I mean, if I, if I submitted to push and couldn't go in person, then it doesn't really mean right. much. But if you can submit to some far, smaller places and you, you know you can actually go, you've looked at the dates, you've been like, yeah, I can make it. If it's a thing, then I think it's great. You can meet some cool people and, and have some mm-hmm. really fun experiences. And once again, it's just with short films, you know, it, for me, it, it was those festivals were enough to give me motivation to keep going. 
okay, wow, right. those hundred people loved it. That made yeah. me, that makes me excited to make the next thing. And so figuring out right. what pe- what people need and what people what people need to keep going, and then you know giving that to themselves, I think right. is 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 really smart. Hmm. That sounds very. Do you, do you always attend all your festivals that you get entered in? I try. I mean, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard whenever. Uh, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> it is a good. It is a good problem to have when you have kids and in full time job. Right. It's hard to. But I, I mean, I as you talked about, it costs money to submit to festivals. So right. I don't really feel like just throwing it out there to to every place i will say my thesis film for graduate school it's called a pointless pencil that's probably mm-hmm. the most successful film i have that one mm-hmm. played in in 23 festivals but mm-hmm. uh and won 13 awards but uh my graduate school paid for all of that they it paid it gotcha. submitted because they were they were proud of it and they wanted to get uh-huh. their name out there and so right. they dropped they dropped a thousand plus dollars on just submission <laughs> fees and i was like great i did not go to all those because that would have been 23 <laughs> festivals in a calendar year and right. i was like no i'm not i'm not i'm not doing that but yeah as far as using my own money i do try to look and make sure that okay if i get in is this a possibility where i can attend and if and if it's on my dime, then I usually won't submit to it unless it's something that I that I feel confident that I'll make it out to. Mm. Right, makes sense. That seems like a good good rule of thumb. <laughs> if you're if you're not actually going to reap the benefits of the festival, don't bother submitting to it. Right. I mean, um, it sounds cool yeah. to say 23, 23 festivals, but in right. reality, I don't, I made the the only connections I made from a pointless pencil were because I was at in person at several of them. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So kind of as an offshoot of that. Most festivals promise like meetings with execs and agents and managers, all this exposure, et cetera, et cetera. In your experience, is that a real benefit of winning and and placing in these festivals or is it much more useful as just a networking opportunity with other filmmakers as you've discussed? Yeah. uh, So the only exception to it would be the college television awards, which is put on, Mm -hmm. uh, it's the the student Emmys. And that was, oh, wow. I got to meet with, all sorts of people and, and learn and hear from them and uh, of all different levels. And so that was, that was very legit. And so if anyone's in college, cause you have to be a student, if you're in college, you can submit for free to huh. the uh, college television awards. I highly recommend it. It's, it was a very big event that, I mean, literally, um, Oh goodness. What's her name? Uh, I just, just forgot her name of who actually presented the award to me. She was on Glee and she's in, uh, she's tall, blonde hair. She hosts the show. Gosh, what's her name? I'm terrible with actors. Let's see. You're good. Uh, it's just, it's, she's the coach on Glee. If you, if you, oh, if you yes, I know. Jane Lynch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch presented my award to me. Like I got to thank Jane Lynch for handing to Matt <laughs> Bomber was there. Like it was, right. they really did it up for that. And so, uh, it gets the college television awards get less. I, I feel like less exposure as like the student academy awards. Right. But I think a big piece of it is because the Emmys just don't let them call it the student Emmys. They have to call it the college television awards. Right. But um, I <laughs> highly recommend everyone if you're a student submitting to that because it's free. You can submit to it if you win. I still get emails to this day that say Warner Brothers is looking for an assistant and they only want to hire an Emmy foundation, Emmy an Emmy alum. And so gotcha. submit your resume here. And they're like, huh. don't pass it on to anybody else. And so I still get those emails to this day. And I, I know several people that took advantage of that and jumped in or are right. doing well in Hollywood. So I think that one right. was was the only one that I know of that was huh. um, 
that was uh, uh, actually provided real opportunities to uh-huh. jump in. Uh, but you have to be a student to get in that. Uh, the other right. ones, yeah, it was mainly about networking. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, Nashville Film Festival is in a few weeks. And it's the first time I've had a feature screenplay be a finalist at a legitimate festival. Because um, right. a short film is just different. I mean, short films are, wow, this is great. I loved hearing all the people, you know, respond to it and seeing their response. But right. realistically, it's not going to make anyone money because short films don't make money. They're more like proof uh-huh. of concepts and show your skill. Whereas a feature screenplay, I do feel like I imagine is a little different because it is something mm-hmm. that, oh, wow, if we keep going with this, this could be a feature and features can actually right. make money. Um, yeah. But we'll see. I'll know a lot more in a few weeks after I go to the meetings yeah. with, the, with the execs that I've been promised. So we'll see. So what is a what is so obviously when you're when you're screening at a you're a film at a film festival, um, it's pretty you know everyone goes into a dark room and watches it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the pro, what's the actual like festival like if you're just submitting a, a feature or a yeah you know, no it's, yeah yeah it's a great question. So uh, some you know, if each festival is a little different, but for like mm-hmm. Nashville, they're going to read they've they've they're hiring actors or bringing in actors to actually perform five minutes of the screenplay and so they asked for a really dialogue heavy low action scene and so i submitted five screen five pages of it and so they're going to do that with all the finalists um Uh but there's also really it's about networking i remember being in austin a few years a few years ago i didn't even have a screenplay but there was like a room (laughs) where uh where filmmakers or, or people that had written screenplays could go and it was just a room that was open like 10 hours a day and it was huh. tables that said like need a producer or like producer needing writer writer needing producer and that <laughs> table was for people that fell in that category there was one that That's was so like writer needing director director needing writer and it was like oh wow and you just look and it's just a room of people all sitting around these round tables having sure. conversations and there were always people in there and and I would absolutely go to that next time. And so what yeah. they do is it's just having that badge around your neck that says finalist or second round yeah. or semifinalist that creates some level of legit- legitimacy. And when you're at these events, it now gives you a little more power networking. But besides the five minutes of performance and then the the networking opportunities, obviously they're not going to to send your feature screenplay around because <laughs> copyright right. and you could get it stolen and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll see about you know what gotcha. what Nashville's like, but I, w- I was excited that they were going to do five pages of it, um, yeah. and I'm and I'm interested to see how that goes. Yeah, table reads, man, they're they're exciting. Yeah, <laughs> they're exciting. Yeah. Five minutes of the whole script. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And I will say at, this, at the smaller film festival in Kentucky that I did, it was called U Pike Media and Arts Festival, I think, and uh, they did. It was. COVID had hit like a month before. So this is going oh, yeah. a year and a half or, right. or so. And they did. And it was a screenplay that I had just, it was the only one I had done and I had a waiver. So I submitted, it wasn't even the one I was working on currently, but mm-hmm. it, it ended up winning and they did a table read on zoom with all of these <laughs> actors. And that's literally like the day before I turned 30, the day before I turned 30, I was up for like three hours on zoom, listening to it read out loud and then got feedback <laughs> from everybody afterwards once again, I mean, it didn't lead to anything. These were just actors right. in Kentucky, but it was still really cool and really right. exciting to get to hear it out loud and, and yeah. see people respond. Because once again, it's just like you write eight hours a week for five, six years and you're like, oh my gosh, is anyone ever going to read this? Is anyone ever going to care? Like, is anyone yeah. ever going to see any of this work I'm putting in? And just yeah. little things like that are encouraging and, mm-hmm. and are really fun memories. 
Yeah, I think I definitely, it, I, I can relate to that feeling of just like, just endless hours of like, oh my God, why am I even working on this? Like, no one's going to buy this fucking thing. Like, uh-huh. why, am I, why would I, why am I working on this? This is so pointless. Like, yeah. And just, I know. It, and then, I, it, yeah. And then as on Facebook, while I'm in, in my demo, I'm seeing one of my friends working like as Damien Giselle's assistant on uh you know a movie on, on it was yeah. first man it was with brian gosling yeah. and i'm literally like calling him to complain like, about <laughs> i'm literally calling him to complain about how writing just is going nowhere and he's like oh sorry i gotta get the apartment ready for ryan and eva like ryan gosling eva mendez I'm yeah like, what why am i not in atlanta uh, like, yeah. Cool first <laughs> <laughs> I know. yeah i know what you mean um yeah um all right so so let's say a screenwriter gets their script or their film um, into Nashville or into Austin or some big festival like that. So what should they be doing to prepare at being, what's the being at the festival? You just got, you touched on this, we touched on this earlier. And then after the festival to give them the best chance of like having a meaningful, meaningful connection there. Yeah, no, it's uh it's something I'm really walking through. Cause I like, as I kind of said that poker analogy, this is the first time I feel like I have a hand I want to go all in with. Like it's the first time I'm actually really not just wanting encouragement to keep writing, but I'm like, I think this could be a film that's right. That, that does something. And so a lot of that is kind of to be determined what this next six months look mm-hmm. like for me. Um, but uh, I think at the festival, I, I, I had a friend, I'll say this. I had a friend that I went out to, to Sundance with years ago. We were just attending and he's just the most extroverted person you can imagine. And he mm-hmm. came back with like a Rolodex of contacts because he would just strike up conversations and if, if I would recommend if you're going to an event, even though most a lot of writers are introverted, I would say I'm probably extroverted, but nowhere near where my friend mm, was. Right. Um, I, I, you know, if you can, if you can just uh, find your extroverted self, even if you're faking it, <laughs> just, just to kind of put yourself out there. Cause networking is, is the thing that right. I've seen, I've seen the, uh, the most come from, and it's not always networking too. like, a, Oh, they can give me something. It's also just mm-hmm. like a, okay, great. I'm connecting with a creative and, yeah. and, and yeah. And that's, and that's that. And, and I will say, and this is, this is not really your question, but it's something that I think is interesting. <laughs> no, go um, is you never know what connections and what people that you interact with are the ones that are going to make it. Um, I, you know, I have friends that once again went to grad school with. They've been in LA for five, six years. I have friends that I, I have people that are very film oriented that went out there and are very driven and career mm-hmm. first oriented, and they're doing cool stuff. But mm-hmm. I was in undergrad. I took a class called technical writing because I got a writing minor, as I'd mentioned earlier, and it was the only creative writing class. They were only non-creative writing class that I had to take. So I'm in this class <laughs> with a bunch of English majors, and for my final project, I'm put on a team with two guys, and one of the guys um I'll, I'll just say his first name his name's josh and i was on a team mm-hmm. with him and we were friends and we were nice and he thought film was cool and he was yeah. an english major and year behind me and we didn't think much of it and then we yeah. loose, loosely stayed in touch over the next what 10 years right. i mean loosely i just saw on facebook the other day well this is a few months ago where he is the director of development at a major studio in hollywood <laughs> like multi-million dollar films three multi-million dollar films coming out every year and literally like in the hollywood um whatever magazine uh, article i read it like listed the two producers that are like the founding producers of the studio and then immediately mentioned yeah. josh josh and i'm like this this english major at this small school in tennessee yeah. is the one that now and so we i've been in touch you've seen my pitch deck 
we're having conversations. I have yeah. no idea if it'll go anywhere, but he's given me really good advice. So in the least, he's just, he's so connected. And I would have never in a million years picked the guy I was teamed up with in technical writing. Right. Be, be the guy that is hands down that's the most funny. successful in the industry out of everyone I know. Yeah, that's funny. It, it's a small world and it is so random like that, um, <laughs> which is in a way scary when you try to apply it to your own life. Um, mm-hmm. but then it is also really cool because amazing things can happen. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and what I tell my students is just, I mean, this is honestly just the value that I, that I have, um, that I try to carry is just respect people. And, and there's obviously a certain weight to, oh my gosh, that Steven Spielberg, I got to bow down and, you know, make sure he's, he's got everything and I treat him perfectly, but also realize that, you know, the PA is a student too. The guy you're with technical writing is a, is a person. And, uh, you know, just treat people with respect and treat them, uh, you know, just just like people. And because you never right. know who's going to make it. And if you get too worried about playing the game of only working up and only being surrounded yeah. by the people that are steps ahead of you, pretty soon the, the PA that you, <laughs> you barked at or looked over yeah. or ignored is going to be running. They're going to be the director of development at a major studio. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is true. I've heard many things from people that have then along the lines of don't networking shouldn't, you should not focus on like deal, mm-hmm. like making friends or connections with people, people at your level, because yeah. you know, the, the industry turns over and yes, it may be frustrating that look, okay, you're making a bunch of friends with PAs and, and mm-hmm. agent assistants and readers and stuff, but like, okay, in 10 years, that's, that's not going to be what they're doing. And in 10 years, the, your, you know, mid-level executive that you could have made connections with probably like might, you know, be running MGM, but might be <laughs> nothing like well, MGM doesn't exist, right? Yeah. Amazon, right. whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, but chances are, if you make connections with people who are at your level, that they want at least one or a couple of them will have made it because that's the next generation of Hollywood. Absolutely. Or of you know, film industry in general. And, let, and let's just go really, really absolute worst case. Let's say no one mm-hmm. that you've you made those connections with and become friends with and shared a little bit of life with does anything. You've still made friendships and you've and you've treated people like people and you you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing yeah. just to do on a pers- on a personal level. So you're not sacrificing anything by uh by building those relationships. And if yeah. something works out, great. But worst case, you you're still sharing life with people, which is always a good thing. Yeah. That's something I've been trying to, to do more of like, don't network quote, mm-hmm. quote, just make friends with people and yep. make friends with people for the sake of being friends with them and being friendly mm-hmm. with them. And if it leads to something great, if it doesn't lead to something, you know, and that, and that's the, that I mean, it, right. Absolutely. And that, and that be you being in LA or, or a writer being in LA, right. that makes, you know, that makes a lot more, even more sense philosophy wise than being in Tennessee. Um, So what I, one thing I've had to do like with Josh, I I do keep up with my friends that are in Atlanta or LA and there's an element of I'm doing this because I know they're connected, but also, I mean, I am actually interested in what they're doing, even if it doesn't lead to anything for me. Like, I think it's really great what they're doing. And the nice thing about being in education is I frequently have them zoom in or come in person if they work in Atlanta to my classes and I host them for a day. And, and I'm not just saying like, oh, hey, like what's going on? Like, can you read my screenplay? I'm also mm-hmm. reaching out like, hey, anytime you have 45 minutes, I'd love to zoom you into this class because like you have so much life experience. And that gives me yeah. a point to, to reconnect with them, an excuse to reconnect with them 
and it helps right. out my students and makes everybody here think I'm, um, I'm more legit. And so it, it's a good thing all around. And I, I kid you not, that is one of the reasons I started this podcast, because I have a friend who told me that the best networking move he ever made was starting a podcast. And it makes sense because if you go to someone and you're like, Hey, you know, I saw your work you know, I want to grab coffee. It's like, that's not a super interesting ask. You know, it's not a super interesting ask. If you go to someone and be like, hi, I saw your work. Uh, cool. And I think you could bring real value to my listeners uh, or to my students in your case, then that makes that, that there's the reason that's, first of all, it's a big ego boost because, Oh, I get to go talk on a podcast and people want to hear me talk. And it's also like, it is providing them value. Obviously right now this podcast is very small, but as it gets bigger and bigger, um, it will be giving them a megaphone mm -hmm. um, and it will right. be helping them. So it's a, it's a mutually beneficial system. And I mm -hmm. think finding ways to do that. That's why like I'm talking to friends, like start a podcast, start a blog, start a, you know, mm -hmm. go teach classes, do things like that, that are, you know, going to, even if everyone feels like a fraud, I feel like a fraud doing this all the time. Everyone feels like, like my biggest, one of my biggest, problem starting this podcast was being like uh but i'm not you know i don't have any produced credits like are people gonna really want like my day jobs are receptionist are people gonna really want to listen to me talk for like talk about screenwriting like i am i in a position to ask anyone where you know tell anyone you know screenwriter survival guide stuff like and then i think it, then i realized like no that's just all in my head like what it really is is i'm embarrassed to tell people i have a podcast um, because everyone has a podcast, but that, so that's not a good reason to do it, to, to not do something. So that's, that's neat to hear yeah. that. I've no, gone that makes sense. Anything, no, I can, it's I like, can, yeah. Yeah. But I think it, it's, it's about, I think that is one of the great things about having, uh, a, a learning something that helps people learn. Obviously I'm not saying a podcast is anything like a full-time uh, job as a professor, but, um, I think so having just, a, a way, idea. yeah, I think having a way to, um, be bringing value to the people you want to quote network with as well as, you know, them bringing you value is super important in making real strong connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I really, I, I like, I, yeah, I agree with everything you yeah. said. I'm, I'm very similar mindset in a lot of ways. Nice. All right. Before I ask my last question, where can people find you online? And I always like to add this curveball. If people reach out, what's one surefire way to make sure they get a response from you. And likewise, What's one surefire way to make sure you delete their message immediately? <laughs> so, uh, okay. Yeah. So they can, they can find, if you want to see any of my work, cause I, I am a director and have, have made short films and commercials and music videos and stuff. You can go to beecher.media. That's B E E C H E R dot mm -hmm. media. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at beecher Weston W E S T O N um and then on facebook it's facebook.com slash beecher renting and that takes you to my filmmaker page uh so as far as people reaching out to be very very uh real i don't that doesn't happen mm -hmm. too much um mm -hmm. so generally if people reach out to me I'll, i will respond i will say the biggest thing i'm looking for if someone's reaching out to me um that says they're a writer or says they're a filmmaker I'm, I usually try to kind of vet, vet them and be like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Can you send me something you've made? Or if right. it's a screenplay, I might even be like, oh, well, have you submitted it to any competitions? Like, mm -hmm. I'll try to ask some questions where I can tell if like the industry is, 
is um you know verifying them so to speak mm. and right. for me if they if they have written something even if they say yeah like my future screenplay won the U Pike Media Arts Festival in Kentucky frankly for me that's enough like i'm like okay right. cool so you are a writer like i'm not going right. to not talk to you cuz you aren't making it what i mm. what i'm wary of is people that have come into my life that are really really all talk and they sound mm. so amazing and so legit and then you spend a lot of time uh, like not just not just like hanging out or like talking to them as a friend, but you spend a lot of time um, discussing industry things or projects or or things uh, kind of networking things, and then mm -hmm. you start to realize, wait a minute, you don't actually follow through with things. Did you, have you right. actually ever finished anything? And so, once mm -hmm. again, this is these are very few anecdotal little moments because right. in general, I don't have a lot of people reaching out. But uh, I do, I do obviously um, if someone reaches out uh wanting and like they're a student and they're like or like, like really early on and they're wanting to make it um oftentimes i'll be like well have you considered going to undergrad and getting your cinema <laughs> degree because i literally do that and and occasionally i've had people come to me that are outside of the school outside of school and they're like oh man i really want to make this feature film any advice i'm like uh you're 19 <laughs> you've never made anything before. Yes. I have a lot of advice, but it takes about four <laughs> years and, you know, and, and coming to the school that I work at to teach you. So I, I pretty much will respond to whoever though. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picky. It's just how, how much of a response kind of depends gotcha. on where they're at in their, their process. Gotcha. Fair enough. All right. My final question. I always call this my screenwriter survival tip. What's the most important thing you'd tell a young screenwriter to help them not only survive, but thrive in this industry? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I've hit on it and I'm going to, so I'm going to say the same thing, but then I'm going to add a little something to it. I right. think it is figure out how your brain works. <laughs> there are, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I am just in awe at the way he writes. He will go and sit down and write 500 plus words, no outline, no real idea of where the story's going. And then he goes back through and just cuts out all the things he doesn't like. So if you ever watch mm -hmm. Boogie Nights or The Master or uh, There Will Be Blood, which I love, if you ever thought, man, this feels a little disjointed. Yeah, well, his writing process is write out everything. Just see where the characters go and then cut everything you don't like. I would I would drown if I tried that. If someone said, oh, you've been writing six years, go try that. I would I would be horrible. I am very much an outline person because it works for me, but I have, I have friends that... that go at it a different way. So I think mm -hmm. figuring out how your brain works, because the reality is if you, if someone wants to be a writer, they probably don't have a shortage of ideas. Occasionally mm -hmm. a lot of people reach out and they're like, Oh, I've got this great idea. It's going to win an Academy award. You want to write it? I'm like, I, I don't have a shortage of ideas. That's, that's not, that's not the issue. Um, it's the translating those ideas into paper in a way that makes sense and communicates clearly. And that's the yeah. thing that, that I try to encourage people. I'm like, it's not a one, it's not one way. This is how you do it. It's every brain's different and, right. and try to figure out how to translate that. And on a deeper level, uh, figure yourself out emotionally because every screenplay I write has a big piece of me in it. Um, and mm -hmm. so usually something I'm working through at that time, even if I don't recognize it, I'll recognize it later. And so right. I'm a big fan of seeing a therapist or seeing a counselor mm -hmm. help you work through the stuff that, yeah. that, that you are experiencing in your life. Try to make some sense of it because if you can, if you can start to understand how you work, you can start to put real humanity in your scripts. And if you're able to do that, then once again, it's all just kind of figuring out how each writer works because if you can unlock right. that and you can figure out things that motivate you figure out what moves you emotionally and figures out 
you know, the blocks that your brain runs into, then you're going to be successful. Um, and so that's, that's my very kind of three category, three pronged answer to that question. <laughs> All right. That is awesome. Figure out how your brain works. That is a great screenwriter survival tip. And then of course, not just the, not just the, the uh, soundbite, but everything you just said. All right, guys, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, we, we went to some real places I was not expecting to go to. We spent a lot more time on this kind of existential question of what do you want out of your life and what what kind of path should you take to get there? Um, but I think that was great. I think this is a, has been an excellent episode. Um, we will be back next week. Until then, guys, don't just survive, thrive. Hey, guys, before we go, I have a quick ask. If you found anything on this show valuable, I would really appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to wherever you listen, and give us a quick rate and review. It doesn't have to be anything long. It doesn't have to be anything super in-depth, but that is just the best way to help grow this community. If you think other screenwriters would benefit from hearing this, a rate and review is the best way to make sure our podcast is seen by as many screenwriters as possible. Thank you guys so much, and until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have questions about this episode, you can reach out on Twitter or Instagram. We're at SSGpod. And I'm on Instagram at Sam Brooks Presents. And don't forget to tune in next time to the Screenwriter Survival Guide.